Welcome to Through the Word, a podcast series connected to our current Sunday sermons. Join us as we explore the book of Romans. Through the Word, once again, welcome back to our podcast. Thank you for coming back on this journey through the book of Romans. So glad you joined us today. Pastors Josh, Matt, we're hanging out here a lot and we love it. <laughs> it's chilly up here today. It's chilly today, yeah. yeah. Um, but we're so glad that you're, you joined again. We just love dialoguing through God's Word. What a privilege yes. it is. Such a privilege to come to the Word of God, knowing that His Spirit is helping us to understand mm-hmm. uh, what He's written down for us. Uh, so grab your Bible if you can, wherever you are, and ch- turn with us to Romans chapter 12. Pastor Josh, you spoke just from two verses last Sunday, Mm -hmm. and yet even in those two verses, there's a lot there that you didn't have time for in the message. Sure. So today we're going to dive into a couple things that come out of Romans 12, 1 and 2. Before we get to the text, we're going to throw a graphic up on screen in just a moment, which is from some of my research that I've completed recently from my doctorate degree. I researched by uh, interviewing and surveying 40 worship pastors across Canada as to their best practice information and wisdom. One of the things I asked was, what is your favorite scripture related to worship ministry? And so this chart shows you some of those that were represented. And Romans 12, 1 and 2 is one of the key scriptures that even some of my peers chose. So let me read these two verses and uh, let's get into it. Paul says, therefore... I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hmm. So one of the things that we see right away here is there is this idea that we can be conformed to the pattern of this world. And that is a negative concept here. Mm-hmm. So we didn't talk about that too much maybe in the message. So let's talk about it now. What does that look like in our world today? What are those patterns that we could get sucked into but we shouldn't? Thoughts on those? Yeah, there, there would be some obvious ones to do with morality. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we would say the the morals of this world don't match the morals of Scripture. And so we shouldn't be surprised that there's quite a difference there and that the world would be trying to squeeze us into that mold. Um, Maybe one of the most obvious ones in the category of morality would be to do with uh, human sexuality. Mm. You think about uh, couples living together so frequently before they're married now, or maybe not living together, but sleeping together Mm. so frequently before they're married. Uh, But we could think further about things like... um, uh, celebration of the practice of homosexuality. We could think further about things to do with uh, um, gender ideology. And th- those are all areas where uh, there's actually quite a strong pressure mm. from the world to be conformed to that mm-hmm. pattern. And um, there would be people in the workplace that if they're not fully embracing the the pattern of the world as it relates to gender ideology, that they're feeling the pressure, their job's on the line potentially, mm-hmm. they're feeling uh, if they don't yeah. right, right, get on board and embrace that. Even with sexuality, there are some things, I even think of the dating culture of our world, Yeah. or even on the other, on the flip side, uh, divorce. Things that maybe when you were growing up were still like really hot button topics, mm. but have sort of just like we've, 
sort of accepted them. We've been formed mm. by them. They right. don't seem so crazy to us anymore. Yeah. Uh, because there are bigger fish to fry or whatever. Yeah. You know, we've been formed by them in that way. Interesting. Yeah, mm. good point. Certainly there's a pattern in our world of materialism. Yeah. What do oh, you yeah. think? Oh, yeah. Where, what do I live for? I live for my vacation time. Yeah. You know, I live for my next car I want to buy or the big house. Yeah. Mm. Um, for 1.2 kids and <laughs> five bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense really, but that is kind of the materialistic culture, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I think working with young adults is, is kind of funny to think of uh, the sort of checklist that all mm. of us have mm. in our 20s where we're like, I need to get materialistically, I need to get a wife or a husband, I need to get mm. a career, mm. I need to get a house, I need to get a kid. And all of it's sort of like acquiring, as though I'm like building up some sort of bizarre yeah. physical resume. Um, but a lot of the things that we put value in are materialistic. Yeah. Mm. Even with that, the idea that uh, what I have is my own, mm -hmm. instead of okay. everything that's been given to me is from God. That's yeah. uh, So what I have is my own, as just a simple example, says, well, I might uh, give something back to God. But what I have is my own. I might, I might give something mm. to the church, the same as I might give something to the local hospital or something mm -hmm. to the uh, girl guides or whatever. But, um, but everything I have is from the Lord, says mm. I'm just a steward yeah. of everything I have in God. I'm accountable and responsible to you for all of it. Mm -hmm. And I sure better make sure that I'm also really then looking to you, your word for cues on how I should yeah. use all these things, whether it's now financial material things right. or other forms of yeah. matter yeah. material things yeah. things we can see and feel and touch yeah. Yeah. from you? him to him and through him yeah are, are, all, are all things are all things yeah. yeah the two sometimes we forget that's right to him are all things that's right yeah. that's right very that's good. good yeah well said what about uh, political ideological patterns yeah where we would conform to the pattern of this world yeah I mean we could think in our own context somewhat. We could think of where it's probably magnified on the south side of the border. Mm -hmm. We tend to think along political lines. Mm -hmm. are, are you there, Democrat or Republican? Here we have a few more parties that maybe muddles it up a little bit more. But, but essentially where we're saying, are you right wing, left wing? Are you liberal or conservative? Are you, you know, that sort of idea. So that would be an, an obvious one. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But uh, even as we had had some casual conversation before this filming, we said, you know, it goes beyond that, doesn't it? It sort of just goes into the idea of uh, sort of we divide ourselves into these teams with our ideologies, yeah. regardless of political parties. It goes beyond that to say, but here's what I think on this matter. And if you don't think the same as me on all these things, you're on the wrong team. And, yeah. and uh, you're against me and I'm against you. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. I know that social media has played a huge role in patterning us, yeah. especially yeah. in terms of uh, secular patterning, I think. Uh, we get pressured, I believe, by hanging out on Facebook or Instagram or wherever because of all the beautiful people that are there and we feel like we need to be like that. Hmm. Um, or the rich people, we need to be like that. That's something we grasp at. Um, there's that image that we see just pushed on us all the time through media and social media especially. Hmm. That's a pattern, isn't it? Yeah. 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 How much on your feed do you see things coming up? You too can lose weight. Here's this new thing. <laughs> you know, these 12 easy steps or, you know, especially in January, they always, you know, force things on you like that. But yeah. social media pressure, image, algorithm, algorithms that automatically give things to you that 
social media platforms say you should know hmm. and you should be following after. Yeah. yeah. Man, we can get sucked into that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I always like to think of formation. What, what comes before formation is information. Mm. Whatever's informing us is forming us. Mm. Mm. And if, if we're aware of that, then we start to reflect and think, where do I get my information from? Whether it's what's happening around the world or whether it's how I should be living, mm. uh, the morality that I should be keeping, uh, the friends that I should be making. Mm. Uh, whatever's informing me is forming me. Mm. Yeah. Josh, you were saying something earlier about uh, this rant or this outrage culture yeah. that also tends to be formational. Yeah, it's uh, sort of a present pattern in our world, I yeah. think. And um, I think there's this pattern in our world that says if we see a problem and we make a lot of noise about the problem, it thinks of it as though we were part of the solution. Mm. Uh, in reality, we're probably only part of making more problems. We're certainly not part, or just often noise. not part of the solution just by making noise. But yeah, so I was thinking about it a little bit along the lines of, um, think of Jesus telling the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, perhaps if it was, uh, you know, we took some license and retold it today, perhaps mm -hmm. one person does walk on the other side of the road. But perhaps we say the next person comes by and they scream to the towns about somebody should do something about this. It's evil. It's an outcry. It's yeah. whatever. Yeah. But but the the one who is the neighbor still remains the Samaritan who actually picks the man up and dresses his wounds yeah. and carries him to the innkeeper and pays his his fee to stay there. And so that the pattern of this world to me seems to be make a lot of noise about the problem of the world, yeah. but you don't have to do anything about it. Expect yeah. somebody else to fix it. Mm. And I think a renewing of our mind would say, wait, scripture seems to inform us that where there are real problems, we need to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And that's not just shouting about it. Yeah. That's actually rolling up our sleeves and going and loving people mm. or, or, or engaging the problem. It's the very thing that James says, right? When he says like, what, what good is the man who, when somebody asks for help, says, be well and goes yes. on his way, right? Yes. Uh, to, to just speak and not to do yeah. uh, really falls short of what Christ tells us. Yeah. So in this text, the antidote to being conformed the wrong way is to be transformed the right way mm -hmm. by the renewing of our mind. And I was mm -hmm. thinking about this the other day, uh, just to give a little testimonial about my own life. One of the things that I've noticed about me uh, is once in a while, and I hope I'm right in speaking the way this, the way I'm saying it, once in a while, anger bubbles its head up in my life. And uh, I'm not. I think an, that's once in a while, because I've never seen you angry. Yeah, I'm not an angry yeah. person. I'm usually yeah. pretty level-headed and even-keeled and uh -huh. and peaceable. But once in a while, that's that fleshly, devilish thing in me mm -hmm. that the Lord wants, or uh, not the Lord, the the devil wants to tear me down with that kind of thing. And so mm -hmm. once in a while, it pokes itself up, and I feel terrible when that happens, yeah. because I feel like I've lost my self-control in that moment mm -hmm. when I get angry about something, which usually in those cases is not rational. Yeah. Uh, which is usually what anger is all about, right? Yeah. So what have I done about that? And, and this has been something that I've been chasing and praying about for years. And I think the Lord's been giving some grace and success in this area in answer mm. prayer. I always go back to renewing my mind through Philippians 4. Mm. Uh, such a great text. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Yeah. That's my verse right there. Mm. Good. And I prayed that over myself many times. Um, Lord, let let my gentleness, your gentleness in me, 
be shown to all. Uh, mm -hmm. Why? Well, because you're here. The Lord's near. Yeah. Good. And uh, that's a renewing of my mind that I can say has been transforming the pattern of my life. Mm, yeah. And I've, I've seen it at work. Um, so that's just a little thing for me. That's great. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what about you guys? Anything that you would say that the Lord's been working on you in renewing your mind in some, certain ways? Yeah, I would say maybe less towards a particular area. And um, I had come previously thinking that we were talking about just modes of, of uh, re mind renewal, mm. things that we're doing that help us renew our mind and and uh, most of those things for me are, are just the very things that none of it would shock anybody it's what scripture tells us to do yeah. it's it's time in god's word daily yeah, yeah. Yeah. in the mornings uh, is, is part of my habit it's part of one of the first things i do and uh, then i carry try to carry it with me all throughout mm -hmm. the day um, it's patterns of prayer mm -hmm. it's it's ongoing prayer that happens spontaneously at all kinds of different times and then it's patterns of deliberate prayer at set points in the day and in the week. Um, it's, uh, it's often been, although I was joking with you guys earlier, this is something I'm, I've just the last couple of weeks, I was like, I gotta get back to this. Patterns of scripture memorization. Yeah. And so recently I had been using this app called the Bible Memory app, and then it started to slip a bit. And now I'm behind, I gotta renew it and start again, <laughs> you know, and get yeah. back in that, but that's been one. Uh, maybe one of the ones that is not always talked about, but uh, I think is super important, has been very important in my life, are uh, patterns of mind renewal through mentorship and discipleship. Mm. And um, mm. so, uh, yeah, I have, uh, for example, a, an older pastor, a friend of mine, and a mentor to me that I meet with every week, mm. Thursday mornings, and he's a very busy man, and, and of course, uh, you know, my schedule is busy, I suppose, as well, but really when we set the time, it was to do with the busyness of his. So it's 6 a.m. every Thursday, that's when I can get him. And uh, since we started doing it in person, he's moved away. So now we, for years now, we've done it through FaceTime. Oh, and yeah. uh, we, we like, we were ahead of the, <laughs> the COVID curve. We've been doing online meetings for years. Right. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. But that's been critical for me. Meeting with people who I believe are further down the road than I am, in their discipleship, they're following Christ, sitting at their feet, mm. asking, calling for them to speak into my life, and, uh, and boy, renewing so your mind in that process. So renewing yeah. my mind because they're using Scripture yeah. to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. that's good. Um, mine might be <laughs> weird. Um, I I really appreciate this quote from a book called Hearers and Doers by Kevin Van Hooser, and uh, he just. It's been a help to me as I've reflected on my life and just seeing how the Lord has helped me. And so I'll share it and then kind of make a comment. Mm. He says, One important way theology helps church leaders to make disciples is by better enabling them to critically examine the images and stories by which Christians live in light of the biblical images and stories by which they ought to live. And for me, I think um, one of the ways that like reading theological works has helped me is by like framing reality so it gives mm. me ways to speak of god that i just know are true it gives me mm. ways to speak of humans that i just know are true and so instead of like the news coming along and saying this is what humans are like or this is how to see this present situation or this is how to see um this particular moral issue uh, to have like a biblical framework uh, that is theologically informed is so helpful to me. 
And uh, oddly, uh, ever since I was young, uh, maybe reading about angels or something, it, it helped me to understand reality mm-hmm. in a way that uh, really formed my mind. I, I knew in high school uh, what mattered to God, what mattered to me then, more than what mattered to my friends or to my teachers for my life, you know. And to be able to have that sort of like biblical worldview uh, helped me so significantly as I tried to navigate life, still forming that, yeah. still renewing my mind for Good. sure. Yeah. And certainly one of the ways that we would offer opportunities at the church are all the Bible studies and classes and life groups. So we're going to throw a link up on screen. If you're watching here and you're not connected to one of those things yet, one of those activities, programs, ministries, uh, we have all kinds of opportunities uh, at the church. And make sure you're making yourself available to those places, um, groups, where you can dive into God's Word and have your mind renewed and your life transformed. Mm -hmm. Um, What a privilege it is to do that. So let's move into verse 2 now, Romans 12, verse 2, because... Paul says, as we have our minds renewed, our lives are transformed, and then what? What's the goal? Then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting tie-in between our holiness, our renewal, and the, the will of God being worked out through us. What kind of will are we talking about here? Is this God's will that I find a spouse? that I have a good career, mm. those, those prayer needs that we talk to the Lord about, or is this a different kind of will of God? What's, what are we doing here? Yeah, I think um, Douglas Moo points out that this is likely highlighting God's will for us in terms of morality, mm. how, how we are to live the things we are to do or to not do, and, and uh, I, I think he raises a really strong point. I'm, I'm not sure, as I've done a little more reading and study, that it needs to be limited just to that. Mm. Uh, but, and, and in fact, I think it goes, it includes, yes, the God's will, particularly as he's clearly, he's made it clear to us in his word, live this way. And um, then I think it goes beyond that into the complexities of life, like real life, mm-hmm. where you're in particular situations and yeah. you say, okay, now, Lord, your will, your, your, your word says your will is, a, is this, and yet this other thing is also a competing thing here. Yeah. How, how do I navigate? Simple example, uh, you encounter a homeless person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we need to be wise with our finances, and we need to be careful that when we think we're helping someone, we're not actually hurting them. Yeah. But we're to love our neighbor as ourselves, and, and uh, God in his mercy and love sends, you know, rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, the just. How do we navigate a complexity like all these things coming together? Yeah. We say, like, what's your will in this particular mm-hmm. as we think about your will from all these different angles? And I, I think it's saying it'll help us there, too to test and approve, which by the way, means like recognize, accept and embrace mm. God's will. Mm. And so that we're living it out. Mm. Uh, it's it, that word test is like often um, testing a metal mm. to prove it that it's pure and uh, right and proper. So it's that we can discern right. what he would have us to do. Yeah. And we embrace it and say, that's good. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I think will is, you know, we want to be careful we don't get overly tripped up here. Sometimes people are so caught up in what's God's will for my life. You probably see it a lot as you work with young adults. Yeah. I, I've, I think I've seen it 
especially so in teenage and young adult years. Mm-hmm. What's God's will for my life? Do I take job A or do I take job B? Do I buy this car or do I buy that car? <laughs> do I date this girl or do I date that girl or, or yeah. guy or whatever? Um, and we get very, very specific, you know, to the point where I joke, like, do I wear the blue pants or do I wear the black pants? <laughs> and uh, there could be no end to the, the, the silliness of what's God's will for my life. But there's still a real place to say God's will for our lives um, intersects the complexities of yeah. life in all kinds of different nuances and, yeah. and by degrees. And hmm. it's, it's helpful, I think, when we're thinking of like, what is God's will for my life? Mm-hmm. You know, like we've said, we're already talking about like moral will here mm-hmm. in, in the sense that like God wants what is good for you, what is true, what is, what is perfect. He wants to send you off in that direction. Um, but as we think of like, what is God's will for my life? As I live my days, what is God's will for my life? Paul says, put your body on the altar. Yeah. Like, give of yourself. Good. Everything that you are now is self-denial, out of service to God. Good. Mm-hmm. It's not just body, though. It's mind. Uh, it is my flesh. It's my fleshy bits. But then it's also my thought processes. It's it's how I think about the world. It's how I think about others. Yeah. And then it is my will, my will, as as I discern what is true according to his will, as as. I discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. Mm-hmm. The issue is that my will often thinks that things are good that are not good. Yeah. The problem with my will is that it often thinks that some things are acceptable that are unacceptable. Yeah. And I often think things perfect that are actually imperfect. Now by, by uh, putting my body on the altar, giving my mind to the Lord, renewing it, and now uh, my will coming in line with his will. Now it's just like when it comes to making a decision, I, I know it's good because the Lord has formed me by his goodness to know what is good. Mm. I know it's acceptable because God has, has formed me in that sort of way. Mm. I know what is perfect and worthy of my time and my life mm-hmm. because God has formed me in that sort of way. God doesn't just want part of us. He wants all of us yeah. and he's going to change all of us so that it looks a lot like his son, Jesus. Mm. That's, yeah. that's really well said. Mm-hmm. I, I looked up a couple of verses that talk about God's will um, in a, a more generic sense, not in a very specific sense like sometimes we, we're looking for. But mm-hmm. here's one, First Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Well, yeah. we could say that's always true. Always. Right? That's all circumstances. Part of, that's part of our morality in our lives that yeah. God always wants for us, and that's always his will. It's right yeah. there. Another one. First Peter two fifteen, for it is God's will for you that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. So mm-hmm. there's a doing good aspect mm-hmm. that's yeah. always God's will for us. Yep, uh, it's that Good Samaritan once again, right? Yeah, yeah. we're showing the, the love that's inside us outwardly for others. Actually yeah. living it. Yeah, yeah. living Very it out. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Anything more to add? Yeah, just think like uh, Jesus prays, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Yeah. This is all part of getting up on that altar, offering our lives as a sacrifice. Not my will, but mm-hmm. yours, God. Yeah. Or, or that's what he prays in the garden. Not yeah. my will, but thine be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we, we desire that in response to the mercy of God. And then as we go through this process of continually putting our lives all of us, as you say, Matt, onto the altar of offering and saying, yes, there's problems, sin hides out of my flesh. And yes, there's problems. My mind is faulty and it needs to be renewed. And yes, there's problems. My will is still sometimes misguided, even though the deepest, truest part of me wants what you want, God. Uh, Sometimes it can't even tell the difference between right and wrong. And other times maybe it can, but I don't like it and I want to go the way I want to go. And, but 
but we learn to spot yeah. God's will, to know God's will, to discern it, to embrace it, and then to live it out yeah. mm-hmm. in a way that we celebrate it yeah. as we do those things. Mm-hmm. So It's yeah. one thing to say, I want to know what's right and wrong in X, Y, or Z situation. Yeah. It's another thing to say, Lord, I want to be the type of person that whatever situation I'm in, I'm going to know by your will what is the right thing to do. Yeah, Life is tricky. <laughs> uh, it's hard to read a book about what's good and bad, but yeah. to be formed by Christ into his image uh, really helps in those moments when we're in really hard to understand situations. Mm-hmm. It almost reaches back into our series we did in the summer in wisdom. Mm-hmm. Remember where we talked about biblical wisdom is knowing the right thing at the right time under the right yeah. circumstances with the right people in the right way. Like It's so nuanced. But we come to know the will of God and how we would live wisely in a way you can't just put your finger on it or exactly read it yeah. in a book, as you say, Matt. Um, but we come to know it mm. as we truly offer our lives, truly have our minds. Yeah. And I love the way this this ends. Uh, how is God's will described? It is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. Yeah. Um, so that's it. We live into that. God bless you. We will see you next time in the next episode. For more episodes, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Emmanuel Plus on YouTube.